Hey listeners, this is Barnabas Piper. What you are about to listen to is not a typical Happy Rant episode, so you're not going to hear Ted and Ronnie and I riff on a whole variety of topics. You're not, it's not going to be our usual banter. What you're about to listen to is actually chapter 10 of the audiobook for my newly released book, Hoping for Happiness. It dropped today, Thursday, October 1st, from the Good Book Company. And we wanted to give you this chapter, chapter 10, so that you could get a sample of the book and also hopefully to be an encouragement to you. So the book as a whole looks at themes of happiness and expectation. So on the one hand, trying to help people, especially those who grew up in conservative Christian contexts, to feel free to find enjoyment and find happiness in this life. Uh, A lot of us grew up in contexts where happiness was seen as trite or even worldly, It was a thing that we should be skeptical of because it it was a temptation. It pulled our eyes off stuff that really mattered. And I don't think that's biblical, and I, I write about that in the book. And then on the other hand, there's what we see around us all the time, and we're probably tempted towards ourselves, which is the idea that we pursue maximum happiness in everything. So we want fulfillment from our work and from our sex lives and from uh, our churches and from everything. And seeking that manically as we do, that pursuing the next pleasure constantly is just a recipe for disappointment. So what is realistic to expect from this life? If happiness is a thing worth pursuing, but we can't expect maximum happiness from everything in this life, what is realistic? That's the goal of this book is to help us find realistic expectations for enjoyment and then to have that grounded sense of happiness that will last. So that's what hoping for happiness is about. I want to thank the Good Book Company for their publishing of it uh, and One Audio, the audiobook company, for giving us this chapter. So uh, you can find this at Amazon. You can find it at Christian Book Distributors or Lifeway or Barnes & Noble, wherever you like to order books. Uh, The audiobook is available on Audible and other audiobook platforms. So feel free to go check that out. Here is Chapter 10 from Hoping for Happiness. I hope you like it. Chapter 10, Happiness versus Holiness. As a society, we don't excel at nuance. This means that many cleverly stated falsehoods go unchecked. We especially love a good false dichotomy, particularly if it rhymes or is alliterated. It matters less if it's true than if it's memorable. One such statement that has laid waste to many people's happiness, and even their faith, is some version of, God wants you to be holy, not happy. While some might put it that bluntly, More often, it is applied to specific areas of life. Marriage isn't about your happiness, but your holiness. Church doesn't exist to make you happy. It exists to make you holy. It's a parent's job to lead their children toward holiness, not happiness. This sentiment, however it is expressed, is closely related to the evangelic guilt I described earlier in the book. In fact, in many ways, it's the root of it. The guilt we feel for experiencing pleasure is born of the belief that to chase after happiness is to run away from God. This isn't to say that we can never be happy, but rather that happiness is, at best, a temporary and surprising circumstantial byproduct of doing what is right. We can desire and run after happiness, or holiness, but not both. Here's the rub. There is simply no way that this can be true and the last chapter can be true at the same time. A brief definition of holiness is growing in Christ-likeness through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives so that we pursue the things of God. 
So, if it's true that God wants us to be happy, then pursuing the things of God cannot be in opposition to happiness. So why is this false dichotomy so prevalent and so powerful in the lives of so many churches and believers? The Wrong Kind of Happiness The movie The Princess Bride contains a memorable exchange between self-important criminal mastermind Vizzini and Inigo Montoya, the revenge-driven Spanish swordsman. Vizzini repeatedly uses the word inconceivable. Everything that surprises him is inconceivable. After numerous such exclamations, Inigo looks sidelong at him and says, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. This is how I feel every time I hear someone pit happiness against holiness. The only way happiness and holiness can be put at odds is to misdefine them both. We do this, first, by cheapening happiness and reducing it to something trite. The happiness that stands in opposition to holiness is cheap, flimsy, and temporary. It is the kind that is found in things of little significance that we think will fulfill us, but really won't last. The kind of happiness that we hang on weak hooks and with wrong expectations. Certainly there is a bastardized version of happiness that can be found in sin, too. Pornography arouses. Gluttony satiates. Laziness relaxes. Drunkenness stimulates or numbs, depending on what we need it to medicate. Sexual promiscuity is enthralling and ecstatic. Workaholism gives a sense of accomplishment. Gossip titillates. Criticism leaves us feeling superior. While the feelings last, that is. Then comes the inevitable crash, leaving us with a need for another hit to keep the high going. And every high is lower than the last, so we increase our intake. In the end, we are as strung out emotionally and spiritually as a heroin addict is physically and mentally. What we thought of as happiness was mere emotional self-manipulation. This kind of happiness looks nothing like the joy we saw in Psalm 16 or the pleasure of enjoying every good and perfect gift. It's not the happiness we have when we expect the right things of the right things, a solid, grounded happiness that's earthly but not worldly and is simply good. So in one sense, to pit this twisted type of happiness against holiness is biblically right. It is in opposition to pursuing the things of God. But to call this happiness is inaccurate and leads people to believe that pursuing things of God reduces enjoyment in life. Nothing could be further from the truth. Holiness without happiness Misdefining happiness is only half the problem. Misdefining holiness is the other half. At least part of the reason we do this is because we've already misunderstood happiness. Once we reduce happiness to something that is opposed to godliness, we end up seeing holiness as a dry husk, a matter of suppressing our desire for the sake of what's right. We know there's a reward in heaven, a significant reward to be sure, but it offers a bleak outlook for enjoyment during the duration of our lifetime. If we remove happiness from holiness, pursuing the things of God becomes drudgery. It is a grind. We become like Sisyphus, the figure from Greek mythology who was cursed to push a boulder up a hill only to see it roll down again day after day after day for his whole life. We become driven by a sense of moral dread and the burden of obligation. 
Holiness becomes a word we loathe rather than the wondrous calling and invitation that it actually is in Christ. We mustn't miss the fact that God says that the pursuit of joy is a pursuit of holiness. Remember the command to rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice, from Philippians 4.4, or rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, from Psalm 97.12. And the significant number of times Jesus says to rejoice, in Matthew 5, or Luke 10, or Luke 15. Consider that in Galatians, joy is listed among the fruit of the Spirit. We are commanded to be joyful and told that joy will be a result of life as a follower of Jesus. Some of you may be a bit uncomfortable right now because you have come to believe that joy and happiness are distinctly different. In this line of thinking, happiness is a temporary trite emotion, while joy is altogether different a deep, lasting, rooted, and significant spiritual virtue. So, the thinking goes, joy is our reward for holiness, and happiness is something unreliable and mostly devoid of spiritual significance. Let me pose a question in response. What would you think of a person who perpetually promoted joy, spoke of pursuing joy, and expressed the deep riches of joy, but simply didn't seem happy? That would be very confusing, right? It would seem at odds and maybe even hypocritical. That's because joy without happiness is nothing but a theological description, at least if it remains that way. Joy that doesn't bring about happiness isn't genuine joy. This doesn't mean that we will always feel happy, and it doesn't mean that happiness will always come easily. Our peace and wholeness and comfort in the Lord will not always immediately bring about laughter and rejoicing. But real biblical joy is always moving us toward those things. It's true that the Bible says little about the word happiness. And of course, Scripture commands us to rejoice, making clear that this is much more than a mere feeling. It's something we can choose rather than something we passively experience. But another biblical word helps us understand the connection between happiness and joy. Gladness. This is a feeling of pleasure attached to joy an uplifting of spirit, a bubbling up of happiness. Scripture describes serving the Lord with joyfulness and gladness in Deuteronomy 28.47. People being glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown in 1 Kings 8.66. And people having light and gladness and joy and honor in Esther 8.16. Psalm 32.11 rounds out the picture by saying, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Gladness is paired with joy and rejoicing. It is the feeling that stems from them and fuels them. This means that when joy in the Lord is lived out, it breeds happiness. The Psalm 16, every perfect gift with right expectations kind of happiness that is rich and deep and profound. This is the sort of happiness that is capable of mourning with those who mourn and living realistically under the weight of a fallen world because it's rooted and realistic. It can comfort the sorrowful and lift up the weary rather than badgering them with trite chipperness and insisting that they look on the bright side of life. It's happiness that reflects God's holiness rather than diminishing it because if joy is our reward for pursuing holiness, then so is happiness. Happiness Through Holiness Having said all that, our pursuit of holiness will still involve work because of our sinful nature. 
It takes effort and discipline. But for those who are in Christ, this effort is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. We work for godliness, but it is God who works in us. It takes effort by us, but God is the mover and accomplisher. What's more, God works in us for His good pleasure. So even more than our holiness makes us happy, it makes God happy. This is vital to understand because it moves us far away from thinking of holiness as drudgery. Yes, it is work. Yes, we will fail. Yes, we must persevere. But it is God who works in us, and He delights to give us the Holy Spirit who teaches and empowers us and enables us to move toward holiness. This is a new spiritual dimension entirely, and one that reverberates with hope and happiness. It is amazing how the changing of a single syllable can alter an entire theological argument and even the trajectory of a life. If we change the framework of our thinking from happiness and holiness to happiness through holiness, we alter one tiny word and literally everything else in life follows suit. Instead of happiness and holiness being pitted against one another, they become interdependent. No longer do we have to choose between doing the work of following Jesus or pursuing happiness. Instead, we find that pursuing holiness in all areas of life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, under the smile of God, is where true happiness is to be found. To put it a different way, pursuing holiness pays off in this life. As we pursue holiness, we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7. We step out of spiritual darkness where we hid in shame and guilt and frustration and loneliness, and we step into the light of Jesus with all our sinful junk. And that's where we find freedom. Freedom to be forgiven over and over again as we fight against sin and still fail. Freedom in the Spirit to pursue the things God loves. Freedom to grow genuine, deep relationships. Freedom to enjoy the things of earth as God's good gifts, not as idols. Freedom from the pain that we have inflicted on ourselves or even that others have inflicted on us. Freedom to keep repenting, knowing that God welcomes all who are in Jesus with open arms. In the moment, many of these actions feel like sacrifice and self-denial. It's difficult to give up idols because of the prominence we've given them in our lives. It feels humiliating to repent. Turning from habits of sin is hard. Meaningful relationships are risky because vulnerability is frightening. Changing the course of our lives from self-centered to God-oriented can lead us in uncertain directions. But each action is simply denying a self that we left behind when we became Christ's. These actions are risky in that we can still be hurt by fellow sinners, but we know with certainty that we are accepted by God. They involve losses, but only of things by which we no longer want to define ourselves and in which we no longer want to find our worth. Pursuing holiness is the pursuit of happiness in this life and the next. Nobody should be happier than a follower of Jesus. Holiness through happiness for a Christian, everything you just heard should feel right. 
we can grow in happiness as we grow in holiness because of the freedom we find in Christ. But we can also grow in holiness as we pursue happiness. It's true. The Bible models to us how. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37.4 This verse begins in such a striking way, with happiness. Delight yourself. Find delight. Then it locates where and how that delight should be. In the Lord. This is a pursuit of happiness in the things of the Lord. It is freedom to run after all the delight and happiness we can find. In the Lord. In His words. His presence, His people, His gifts, His direction for our lives. And when we do that, He will give you the desires of your heart. That does not mean God will give you whatever your heart previously desired. It means that He will give us those delights that we are seeking in Him. By pursuing happiness in the Lord, our very desires are reshaped. We want new and different things, which God is pleased to give us lavishly. To extrapolate from this, it also means we will begin to desire new results from old pleasures. If food was once how we filled the void of loneliness, by delighting ourselves in the Lord, we will begin to desire food for enjoyment and out of gratitude. If sex was once how we sought love and validation, by delighting ourselves in the Lord, we will begin to see it as the gift God intended for a husband and a wife within the safe and comforting bounds of marriage. If work was once where we found accomplishment and identity, by delighting ourselves in the Lord, we will begin to see it as a means of using abilities that He's given us for the purposes of His kingdom. This means that as we grow in holiness, we are free to pursue happiness because it is ultimately located in the things of God. Our delight in Christian friendship reflects our part in the body of Christ. Our enjoyment of work and creating declares our status as image bearers. Our pleasure in eating points us to gratitude for God's provision and for the skills of the one who prepared the food. The peace we find in cool breezes and rolling surf is the peace of the Lord shared through His beautiful creation. God does, indeed, want us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy and to revel and to delight. God wants us to be holy, too. What a miracle of His wisdom and love it is, then, that He has given us everything we need to find both. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.